So yes, week two, part two of our meaningless, we hope it's very meaningful series, looking at, okay, there's this perspective of life with God and life without God. Life without God, we said last week, that's where that meaningless comes from, but life with God, we add God to our life, we make him the foundation of our life, and all of a sudden, it's very meaningful, and we add meaning to our lives. It's about this season, we're kind of in mid-August, that we all, I don't even need to ask for a show of hands because I know you all agree with me on this one, we all start to say about the same thing. We say, I'm hot and I'm ready for fall. Agreed? It's hot, I'm tired of hot, I am ready for fall. Becky and I, before moving to Georgia, we were in California, and so we had really two seasons, not four seasons like we do here, which we love. We had two seasons. We had hot and dry, and then not as hot and not as dry. That was it. Those two seasons, so we move here and, and the kids didn't know what to do when they saw leaves change colors. They didn't know what to do when they saw snow. They didn't know what to do. Well, it's not hot all the time. Granted, it is hot a lot here, no, no doubt. And we get to that point in the season where we're done with summer, we're ready for fall. But do you know what's interesting? I could just take a snapshot and six weeks from now, you know what we'll be saying? Assuming it's actually cooled down in six weeks, which might be a stretch, I get. But once it starts getting colder, we start to say, I'm so tired of the cold, I'm ready for warm weather again. <laughs> it's like we're never happy, right? But there's something ingrained in us that enjoys some version of seasons. We, we like to go through seasons, it's in us, we enjoy them, but we also look forward to getting to the next season rather quickly. We don't stay put in a season very long, we're ready to move on to whatever the next thing is. And we see that in our lives, don't we? We see seasons in our lives, different times for different things, some good, some bad, some highs, some lows. In fact, if we were to plot some of the seasons in our lives, we might say, man, it's been a, it's been a great start to August so far. The kids are finally in school, praise God, hallelujah. But then it's like, oh wait, there's a lot that we actually have to do now that they are in school. And, but at least they're, they're getting out of the house, but oh, soccer's about to start. And you see what happens with these different seasons is we go through the highs and the lows and they seem to just bounce around on us, don't they? Man, life was really good. Oh, then life was really bad. Man, we, I, I, I got married, but then we also experienced tragedy and loss. Finances were really good. I got a raise. Oh, we lost our job. Things go well, things go not so well, and everywhere in between. If we plot the seasons of our lives, we see it looks a lot like that, doesn't it? Highs, lows, and everywhere in between. And the question we're asking, especially this month, is, so what's the point? If we have these highs and lows, what's really the point? If there's always going to be some level of high and some level of low, like what's the point in even working towards these highs? I mean, isn't it just going to happen? But then once we get there, it's going to bottom out. Something bad's going to happen. We get all excited. And we're super grateful. But then we say, but I don't want to be grateful for long because something bad's going to happen. So I got to prepare for the bad things. And then we work really hard to get back up. And then once we get there, it's the same thing, but something bad's gonna happen, so let's prepare for it. So it's this constant up and down, up and down, up and down, the different seasons of life. What's the point? Is there any meaning to those seasons of our lives? Is there any meaning? Can we find something meaningful in the ups and downs, the good, the bad, the highs and the lows of our life? That's the question. What's the point? What's the meaning? with the seasons of our lives. To find that meaning, we're going through what most likely Solomon wrote in what we call Ecclesiastes. And Ecclesiastes, as we mentioned last week, is this reflection back on Solomon's life, what he had observed, what he had even experienced. 
And we saw at the very beginning last week that he started out by saying, meaningless, meaningless, everything is meaningless. It is utterly meaningless. And that's where we said, we discovered, well, without God, yes, it seems pretty meaningless. But when God is the foundation of our lives, then that's where meaning comes from, and it becomes meaningful. So if we were to look at our seasons and we were to ask that same question, what does it look like when God is involved in these ups and downs of our life? What does it look like for God to still be the foundation of our lives when we go through the highs and go through the lows? How does that bring meaning to the different seasons we go through in our life? We're asking that question. Solomon had obviously asked the question because here's what he wrote in chapter three. If you got your Bible, follow along. If not, we'll put it on the screen here behind me. Ecclesiastes chapter three, starting in verse one. There is a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens. In other words, there is a season, there is a time for everything. So chapter one, he said, everything is meaningless. And now we're seeing, well, with God, there's meaning, but is there meaning with these different seasons? He goes on to just list a bunch of different seasons and timings. And you'll notice that they're kind of on the two extremes of each other. He says, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to uproot, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to tear down and a time to build, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to scatter stones and a time to gather them, a time to embrace and a time to refrain, time to search and a time to give up, time to keep and a time to throw away, a time to tear and a time to mend, a time to be silent and a time to speak a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. There is a time for everything. There is a season for everything. And again, he goes through and lists out a bunch of almost opposites or these two extremes. He says, there is a season for everything. There is a time for everything, but we're still asking the question, but what's the point? How do we find meaning through those seasons? Again, a question he was asking, if you look at verse nine, he says, so what do workers gain from their toil? Again, what do we gain by working hard in these different areas? When things are not so great, we work hard to get back up. When things are good, we work hard to stay there or to plan for when things drop out again. He says, so what's the point there? If there's going to be seasons for everything, is what we do in those seasons really matter? Key question. Do the things that you do in each of those season, high, seasons, highs and lows, does, does what you do really matter? He begins to wrap this up, and of course the answer is yes, there is meaning, and yes, what we do does matter. Here's how he says it. Starting in verse 10. I have seen the burden, circle burden, we're going to come back to that. I've seen the burden God has laid on the human race. Verse 11. He has made everything, what's this word here? He's made everything What? Beautiful. Circle that one. We're going to see how burden and beauty, how they tie together. He has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity in the human heart, yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. So he begins to answer his own question. Why do we work so hard? Does what we do really matter in these seasons, in these ups and downs? Why does that matter? How does it add meaning to our lives? And he says here, well, I've seen the burden God has laid on the human race. You circled burden. Burden literally in this context means task, responsibility. 
Not as much, usually when we say or think burden, we feel just like that heavy burden, that weight. And yes, there's an element of that, but here it doesn't literally mean weight, it literally means responsibility or task. So in other words, all the things that we do and are responsible for doing in each of these seasons of our lives, that's what he's speaking to. Solomon says, yes, I've seen in the highs and in the lows, we all have things we need to do, have to do, should do. And yes, of course, want to do but focusing on the tasks or the responsibilities. We all have those. We all have those. But then he flips it around. He says, so I've seen everything that we need to do, have to do, should do. And he ties it to that other word, beauty. He says, but God, he has made everything beautiful in its time. Now here, beauty, usually you don't see burden and beauty tied to the same phrase, do you? Usually you don't see those spoken in the same breath. So if burden here literally means task or responsibility, beauty here does not mean pretty. Understand that. When we look at our lives with the ups and the downs, the ups and the downs, we would not describe what happens in the lows of our life as pretty, would we? No, of course not. Up here, oh yeah, this is beautiful. We love living up here, but in these parts of our lives that we plot in the different seasons of our life, there's no way we would say, yeah, that was a really beautiful time in my life. So how does Solomon say that? I've seen everything that happens and there's a season for everything and it's beautiful. How can he say the word beautiful there? Contextually, beauty here literally means fitting, timely, appropriate. Now that, that can begin to make sense for us. Where we say, I, Solomon says, I see everything that we've been part of and experienced and had to do and been responsible for doing. All the hard work and in the highs and the lows and everywhere in between. And in God's timing, it all fits together. In God's timing, it's beautiful. That's what Solomon is saying. There's a time for everything. There's a season for everything. And yes, there is hard work that we put into each and every one of those seasons. So what's the point? What's the meaning in the seasons? Well, God is working. God is doing something. Because in his timing, keyword his, in his timing, he is making things fit together. Paul says something very similar. He uses some different language in Romans chapter 8, 28. Paul says this to the early church of Rome. He says, and we know that God causes everything, same word that we just heard Solomon use, God causes everything to work together. There's the beauty piece, to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. Now, keep in mind, Solomon as well as Paul, they're not saying all of these things are good. And we say, no, it's going to work for good. Those highs and those lows, the seasons that you walk through in life, they are leading to something. See, we can really have two different perspectives. And again, that's what Solomon's doing here in Ecclesiastes. A life with God and a life without God. A life without God would say, all of these seasons, all of these events plotted throughout my life, they're just random. There's no point. There's no meaning. They are a collision of random life events. And that is what we would call my life. That's life without God. And if you live and believe and have that perspective, well, of course, that's going to feel very meaningless. But life with God, when he's the foundation of your life and you begin to plot the highs and lows and the seasons of your life, and you believe that God is actually working behind the scenes and in front of the scenes, you say, okay, God, I don't see what you're doing. I don't understand what you're doing. But everything is here because it's part of something bigger. It's part of that plan, we might say, that God, you're working things out for some reason. We don't always know what it is, 
But instead of asking God, why me? Maybe we begin to say, God, what are you doing? What's actually happening? See, what we see in verse 11 here from Solomon is this idea of scope and sequence. You might be familiar with that phrase. Scope meaning big picture. And then sequence is what is actually happening along the way. The, the step, the order to each and every step or stage or phase or season, the highs and lows. What is the scope big picture? But then what is also the sequence? Because if again, you look at verse 11, it says, he has also set eternity in the human heart. That speaks to the scope. That, that in each and every one of us, we can't really wrap our hands around it, we can't wrap our minds around it, but there's something bigger. It's more than just me. It's more than just you. There's something bigger. It says here that he set eternity in our hearts. So the scope of eternity. But he also says, the flip side of that, Yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end, every single step, stage, phase, or season along the way. See, the scope is eternity. The big picture of life is eternal. It's eternity. And the sequence of life, that's our seasons of the ups and downs, the ups and downs, the highs and the lows as we begin to walk through life. And if, this is what we're going to try to do over the next few minutes, if we can begin not fully, if we can begin to understand God's perspective and God's scope, big picture, and God's sequence, the order of events in our life, if we can begin to understand those as best as we possibly can, that's where meaning will begin to come in our life. So again, without God would say, well, they're just random plots, random events that have happened in my life or meaningful events because God has a scope and a sequence. Scope of life is eternal. The sequence of life are the seasons. So let's talk about each of those just to help you understand a little bit. You're gonna need your rock for this one. So grab your rock and I'll have you do something with it here in just a second. So the scope of life we said is eternal, that God has put eternity, he has set eternity in every single one of our hearts. The feeling that there's something more, there's something bigger. It's not just us. It's not just random. There is something larger out there. So if you're a NASA nerd at all, then this is gonna be a very familiar picture. But Hubble, the Hubble Space Telescope, it, understand they took a picture, but this was not just like, hey, I went outside, snapped a picture, and this is what I got. This was a picture nine years in the making, over 800 orbits of trying to gather the right information, the right data, compiled this one image, and here's what we now have, nine years in the making, that picture. If you've ever seen it before, you know a little bit of the story behind it, but that's not just a couple planets. Those aren't just stars. What you're looking at over nine years in the making, I said, but that is a picture of about 10,000 galaxies. Not, not just stars, not just planets. You're talking 10,000 galaxies. Our galaxy, the Milky Way galaxy, is just one of this single picture. This one image shows at least 10,000 galaxies. And we look at that and it's just, again, it's hard to wrap your mind around that. It's hard to wrap your head around what 10,000 galaxies could just begin to look like. But we also recognize there's something in us of like, yeah, there, there's something bigger out there. So now take your rock, take your rock. I want you to do this, hold it up so that you're seeing the rock and then you're seeing the 10,000 galaxies. So you're seeing it out, hold it far enough out so you're seeing both, you see both, right? And you got your rock. Now, if this rock that's in your hand represents your life, what we would like to be able to do and should be able to do is see our life, but also in the backdrop of, wow, there are so many other things going on, right? It's my life, but I also see 10,000 galaxies back behind it. In reality, what we tend to do is we walk around like this. 
And all we see is our own itty bitty little rock of a life. Now, I'm not saying it's not significant. You are absolutely significant. Jesus died on the cross for you. But newsflash, the universe does not revolve around you. Yes, you're important. You are a child of God. You are greatly significant. You add value. But the world does not revolve around you. And so often our perspective is this, of saying, well, it's all about me. In fact, I guarantee that some of you, when you were handed this rock, you said, this rock is dirty. This is Sunday morning church. I'm gonna get dirt on my clothes. I'm not gonna take a rock. They should have cleaned these off before they use these. I promise it happened because I heard it happen. Why don't we have clean rocks? Didn't they have clean rocks at Home Depot? This is what you look like. It's not about you. Every time something happens in our lives, any one of these seasons, high or low, if we're not careful, we look just like this. Well, why is this happening to me? What's going on, God? Have you forgotten about me? No, he's not forgotten about you. Zoom out just a little bit so that, yes, you see your life. I'm not saying you don't think of yourself at all. I'm saying zoom out enough where you see you, but you're also seeing 10,000 galaxies. We're seeing other lives in the world where the lights come on and it's not just you in the room. That scope where God has specifically and intentionally set eternity into each and every one of our hearts so that yes, we're important and valuable, significant, but it's not just about us. So in those highs and in those lows, in those seasons we walk through, can we begin to have this kind of a, of a perspective versus this kind of a perspective that says, okay, God, what's, what's bigger that I don't necessarily see, that I can't even begin to imagine or fathom? We've probably all at least said the phrase at one point or another. Well, in the grand scheme of things, you know, it's usually followed by it's no big deal. Well, in the grand scheme of things, it's no big deal. Yes, in the grand scheme of things, what happens on this rock is not that big of a deal. It is a big deal, but what happens, maybe not a huge deal. But oftentimes we might say that phrase, but we live, no, everything in the grand scheme of things is a massive deal. Everything that happens is such a huge deal. It's life or death. Instead of saying, and I'm, I'm part of something bigger. Don't miss the 10,000 galaxies in addition to what you are. You are part of something bigger, but the universe does not revolve around you and me. So there's the scope. Eternity was set in, in our hearts. Scope, big picture, eternity. There's a big picture at play that we don't necessarily always get or see or understand. The second part of that, if you look at the last part of verse 11, says, yet, here's the other side, yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. Every single step, stage, phase, season along the way. So scope, big picture. Then we see sequence, the order of things along the way. Many of you are probably familiar with Beethoven's, one of his you know, arguably most famous pieces of music, Fur Elise. And if you don't know what that is, Google it or try your best to understand. It's the da-da-da-da-da-da-da, that whole thing. I'm not gonna sing any more of it than that. You get it, right? It's the most famous, you might even argue the most famous piano piece, period. But what you don't always understand is what it takes to make all of that happen, the order of things. For example, let me show you this picture here. This is one single note out of Beethoven's Fury Lease. Just one single note. And if you were to look at that without any context whatsoever, you would say, at best, that is just a musical note. And if you know anything about music, you might be able to hear it. You might even be able to identify what note it is. 
but in and of itself, by itself, pretty meaningless. One note on the piano. But if we zoom out just a little bit and we see it in order, let's see a little bit more of it. Doesn't really help that that much. That almost makes it more confusing if you're somebody like me. You look at it, it's like, that really doesn't help at all. Now we just have a few notes playing, but we still don't see the sequence of where these are played, how they're played. You play it on a keyboard in one moment, in one time. It really doesn't give you any context. It doesn't tell you anything. There's nothing beautiful or meaningful of that. Now, if we zoom all the way out and we see Beethoven's, the entire thing of Furelis, we see the entire sheet music, like scripture says, from beginning to end, all of a sudden you see the order of all of these notes. They're not random. They're not randomly placed. They are specifically intentionally placed along the way to create a masterpiece, to create something absolutely beautiful, timeless even. And what's interesting here, it's not just the notes that are played. When you look at the whole piece, it actually tells you how to play each note, the tempo that each note is to be played, the pressure of which you are to push the keys, the mood at which you are to play each key in each part. All of a sudden, now there's your masterpiece. And you could look, that one note that I showed you at the beginning, you could look and find it and say, oh, that's its place. That's where that belongs. Now I see it is one part in many from beginning to end, it has its part. It wouldn't be the same if that part wasn't there. But by itself, it really is meaningless. Every single note brings meaning to something that is a masterpiece, but it, we would even describe it as absolutely beautiful. The plots on our life are very similar. Each one a note and a masterpiece that God is putting together called our life. And in and of itself, if we look at just one of them, it's easy. Again, you put the rock too close. You say, well, what's the point? Why am I dealing with this? Why am I going through this? Why did this happen? And again, we can't see from beginning to end, especially when we're in it. But if we step back enough to say, okay, God, what might you be doing? What is this moment, this season, this note that's being played in my life? Love it or hate it. It's got a part in my life. God, what are you beginning to do in my life? Scope, big picture. It's not just about me. Sequence, the order, and timeliness. Remember, that's where beauty comes from. The timeliness, the appropriate timing, his timing of each and every one of these seasons begins to create something absolutely beautiful. And understand, when God is at the foundation and we see his perspective, his scope, his sequence, it doesn't just add meaning. It doesn't just add beauty. Understand, it brings meaning to everything that you do in these moments. Every note that you play in every high and low season of your life makes a difference and it matters. Your parenting matters. How you treat your spouse matters. How you walk in the door of your home matters. How you walk out the door of your home matters. How you walk into your work culture matters. How you speak and what you speak matters. Who you interact with matters. What you post on social media, it matters. The things we do in life matter because God is placing things in the right order for a scope that we don't fully understand. Two perspectives. Meaningless, random acts in our lives, or God has a scope, a big picture, and a sequence, an order that brings meaning and even beauty. And if we were to begin to trace these and plot these, we would begin to see something a little familiar, regardless of what you think of my artistic ability. 
resembles a heartbeat, doesn't it? I think that's what Solomon is beginning to do here. He's helping us understand the pulse of life. Life is going to have ups. Life is going to have downs. But they are not random. I'm not saying God causes all of them. Go back to Romans 8. He uses them for something beautiful. He uses them to create a masterpiece. The problem with us, though, is we like to do one of two things. We either don't want change in seasons at all, so we want a life that looks just like this. You know what we call that? Flatlining. <laughs> Beep! <laughs> Not a great way to live, is it? No. Well, I just don't like change. I just want everything to be predictable, and I just want to know what's going to happen. I want to understand everything. That is a lack of life. And it's not the pulse that God has created for us to live. The other thing that sometimes we like to do, if you're like, well, I don't mind change, well, then sometimes we go back to the changing of seasons. We like to change, but we want to change awfully quick. We try to get in and out of our seasons as fast as we possibly can. And we don't fully live in those seasons and live in those moments and ask the questions of, okay, God, what are you actually trying to do with me in this moment? So scope and sequence is what 11, chapter 3, verse 11 is really speaking to. God's scope, you could say it this way, God's scope is bigger than you think. Think of the galaxies, the 10,000 galaxies, just in one picture. It's not just about me. There's something bigger at play here. God's scope is bigger than you think, and his sequence, his order of events, his timing, step by step by step, is better than you know. In fact, Romans chapter 11 speaks to it like this. Oh the, depths, oh, the depth of the riches and the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable his judgments and his paths beyond tracing out. Who has known the mind of the Lord? Who has ever been his counselor? Who has ever given to God that God should repay them? Listen to this part. For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. His scope is bigger than we think. His sequence and timing of events are better than we can possibly imagine. So instead of looking at our life and saying, what's the point? I wish we just, it was the same thing all the time, or trying to rush through all of our different seasons, let me give you this piece of encouragement, maybe even more of a challenge for some of you. In every single season, embrace that season and focus on being faithful in that season rather than fast through that season. Be faithful instead of fast. Be faithful in that moment. Walk with every single step with faithful obedience instead of trying to just hurry up and get, get through what's next. Let me just make it through. We say that a lot, don't we? I just need to get through this next season. Let me just get through this next week. The, the time of our life right now is just kind of hard. Let me just survive and get through. Tony, that's gonna feel very meaningless. If all you're trying to do is survive and get through, meaningless. But if we can take a step back and say, okay, God, what are you actually doing? What are you developing me? What are you growing in me? What are you trying to do with me and through me, with the people around me? It adds meaning to those seasons, the highs and the lows, the good and the bad, the easy and the difficult. Walk with faithful obedience. Embrace every season instead of trying to blow by them as fast as you possibly can. So let me give you a, an opportunity to think through some of these. Two questions I want you to begin to ask yourself. The first question, what season am I in? What season am I in? 
Am I in a, a season of just blessing and prosperity? Things are awesome. Things are great. I can't imagine anything going any better. Are you on the other side of that? Man, this is the most difficult season we've been in right now. I'm not sure how we are going to get through. God, I don't see what you are doing. What season am I in right here, right now? If you even might want to write that down, put a word to it, put a phrase to it, put a sentence to it. Solomon gave us a ton of different seasons. Born to die. There's seasons of planting and uprooting, kill, heal, tear down, rebuild, weep, laugh, mourn, dance, scatter, gather, embrace, reframe, search, give up, go through the list that he gave us again. What season are you in right here, right now? Maybe it's somewhere in between. You know, we tend to focus on the extremes, the highs and the real lows. Maybe you're somewhere in between. Maybe you feel like you're almost in limbo. Like, I'm not sure what to even do right now. I'm in a new season. I've never been in this season before. I don't know what to expect. I don't know. Maybe it's a lot of uncertainty. Put a word to it, put a phrase to it. What season are you currently in? The second part of this question, maybe even harder, because we've talked a lot about scope and sequence and big picture and trusting God along the way because we can't fully understand it. Even verse 11 again, it says, but yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. So as much as we wanna try to see from God's perspective of this big picture, as much as we wanna try to see the sequence that God is putting in order, the masterpiece, something beautiful that he's putting together, the reality is we can't see exactly like God sees. So there's one word that we have to lean into, trust. And we can't see the huge picture. We might get a glimpse of it, but we can't see the big picture. We might, be, might get glimpses of, okay, I see how this and this and working together, but we're not gonna see from beginning to end yet. So can we trust his big picture of eternity? Can we trust his timing along the way that every single note has its place? And when played together, it's gonna to play something beautiful. So the second question after what's my current season, how do I need to trust him in this season? Because understand, trusting Jesus here looks different than trusting Jesus here. Looks different than trusting Jesus here. Looks different than trusting Jesus here. As seasons change, your trust of Jesus needs to continue to adjust and change, which is difficult. Jesus, I knew how to trust you yesterday. <laughs> Man, I'm not sure how to trust you today. The difficulties of today, the direction that I'm being led today, very different. So what season are you currently in? And how do you need to trust him today? What I'm gonna do is this will be a little bit different. I'm gonna lead you through four different prayers to help you in those seasons. If you wanna write these down, this doesn't have to be close your eyes, bow your head type prayer, but I, I do want us to lead through four different prayers. And I would call these four prayers for every season of life. If you'll pray these four things, no matter what season you're in, I think that will help you grow in your trust of him in every season. So no matter what season you're in, the first prayer is just what we said, trust. Jesus, help me to trust you. I need to grow in my faith in this season. So we're gonna pray that we would trust him more. The second part, the second prayer is simply for help. God, I don't know what to do in this moment. I don't know how to handle this season. I've got all of these emotions and I'm not sure what to do right now. 
I knew what to do yesterday. I think I know what to do tomorrow, but I have no idea what to do right now in the midst of the moment and in the midst of that season. So we pray for help. Sometimes help looks like endurance, praying for endurance, praying for patience, praying for self-control. You name it. What do you need help with in that season? The third one is praying for peace. That's a roller coaster of a life, isn't it? (laughs) Filled with anxiety, filled with uncertainty, filled with unknown. So pray for peace. And not the peace that comes from a lack of conflict. Not the peace that comes from everything just being smooth and happy. It's not sunshine and rainbows. It's a peace that only comes from God. It says, I'm trusting you that you know even when I don't. And I have peace in that because he's bigger than I am. He's the king and I'm not. He's Lord and I'm not. He's Savior and I'm not. That's where our peace comes from. So we pray for trust. We pray for help. We pray for peace. The last one is we pray for perspective. Just like Beethoven's masterpiece, we don't see it, but can we trust in it? God, give me a perspective to see how this part of my life is gonna be part of something greater. I don't, I don't see how it's going to, but I need that perspective. So what season are you in? How do you need to trust him in that season? And the prayers to go along with it is praying for trust, praying for help, praying for peace, and praying for perspective. So let's do that right now. God, we come before you, and I would ask that through your Holy Spirit, you would help us identify just the moment that we are in, the season of life that we find ourselves in. And it's easy to make our lives all about us, to keep that rock so close to our eye that we miss everything else that you're doing. We miss the other people that you've placed in our life. So God, help us to see what season we're in. God, we pray that we would trust you more. Help us to see the big picture. Help us to see and trust that there is an order to what you're doing in our lives. That it is beautiful, that it is meaningful, even when we don't understand it. God, the less we know requires us to have more and more trust. So may we grow in our trust of you. God, help us through each season. Give us patience and endurance and self-control. Help us to live each and every season and step and stage of our lives with faithful obedience. Help us to stay focused on the right thing, you. Jesus, I pray for peace. That in the roller coaster of life, the ups and downs, it's easy to get so worried about where we are and what's next. You promise that we will have trouble in this life, but you also promise to be with us every step of the way. So Jesus, give us peace. Peace that doesn't come from our circumstances, but only comes from you as a gift. Lastly, we pray for perspective. Give us your perspective, the eternity that's been set in our hearts, the sequence of things in our life that that work together. Every note has its place to create something masterful and beautiful. Help us to see like you see. And when we can't, to trust you all the more. In Jesus' name, amen.